Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you happen to be in the world, you have just landed on the Ultra Life Today podcast. You know, we bring you fascinating interviews with cutting-edge key opinion leaders in the integrative and functional medicine space. Today we have something that is a welcome departure. It's going to be such a joy for you, but I'm telling you right now, fasten your seatbelts. You may want to share with some friends or loved ones about this or definitely send them the link. You're going to hear an interesting story today from a gentleman named Joe Tippins, who is a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's an innovator. And he had an unusual health challenge hit him several years ago. He's now really kind of an iconic, internationally acclaimed person. And my name happens to be Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. And and what in the world do you think about having this guy with us today, I am. um, It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's almost like having... I don't know. I'm, I'm it is, it Joe, is. Joe is, yeah, you're, you're the, you're the guy that didn't want to be a celebrity and no. you're a celebrity, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it, I, I feel I'm, I'm not in awe, but because I feel like Joe's a friend yeah. and, yeah. and, uh, real and people for sure. Joe, your story started, uh, what, uh, let's, let's reel the clock back to when you first noticed that you might have a health issue. What, what, what happened and what, what was going on in your life at the time? Well, uh, as, uh, as it happened, I had accepted a partnership position with an investment firm in Zurich, Switzerland, had oh. my Swiss green card, had my apartment, my clothes were already in Switzerland, and Saturday before my Tuesday flight to move permanently to Switzerland, I was feeling head congestion and, and thought, I need something for the flight, so I went into a Saturday night dock in a box. Oh, wow. And uh, the the doctor there was the only guy in the office. Everybody else had gone home. It was closing time. And he did a chest X-ray and asked me to come in and look at it. And to me, it didn't look like anything, just some light swirls in my lower left lobe of my lung. And he said, "That I'm not experienced at this, but that's troublesome to me, and you need to go have a CT scan. Well, I said, oh, that doesn't look too bad. I'll just wait till I get to Switzerland. This guy probably saved my life because he hounded me all day Sunday and all day Monday. He he didn't. He did? He called he, you? He called me four times on Sunday and four times on Monday because he could tell I was reticent to get a CT scan. Wow. And so 4 o'clock on uh, Monday afternoon before my Tuesday morning flight, I went in for a CT scan, and sure enough, there was a tumor the size of my fist in my wow. lower lobe, left lobe. And that's really strange. I had no symptoms. To have a tumor that large in your lung and have no symptoms, right. I just couldn't believe it. Um, so I canceled my trip to Switzerland and, and instead uh, went to MD Anderson in Houston and started a, the traditional chemo and radiation and whole brain radiation prophylactically um, in in Houston. And Did they, uh, did they do a biopsy at the time? To... I had the biopsy done here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, small cell lung cancer, which is the worst. Um, uh. And, uh, you know, a lot of trials and tribulations. They, they, the radiation in my left lung came all six times, twice a day in six angles, all going through the same spot on the esophagus. Oh, my gosh. And they fried my esophagus into bacon. Nothing would go down. So, I mean, they didn't change the angles in order to, no, like, they, not fry everything? Or? No, they 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 didn't. They just, all all six angles went through that same spot on oh the esophagus. Oh, my gosh. So I couldn't have any nutrients for eight weeks, and I made a crazy decision. I decided 
that I would live off my fat stores and my muscle stores instead of get a feeding tube. Yeah, you wow. you weren't going to have the, the no, second option, I, were you? I know I, a lot of people. I wasn't going to do that, same. and I I. Wow. So over an eight week period, I had zero nutrients. Mahatma Gandhi's longest hunger strike was only twenty one days, three weeks. And I went, I'm actually astonished. And I, I mean, well, how weeks. did I mean? And I couldn't I couldn't drink water either, so I had IV fluids three times a week to hydrate my body. Well, they, they must have given you like electrolytes and stuff like that. I'm sure they're in, yeah. the, in the IV fluids that yeah. were electrolytes, but there were no nutrients. In yeah. It. You can't do nutrients through IV, uh, right? Not really. Not yeah. really. Yeah. And uh, so I went from 220 pounds down to 108 pounds. Oh, my gosh. And I'm, I'm 5'10". And well, you really starved bones. your cancer then. <laughs> well, that, that's an interesting side story I'll get into, but I... Um, it was literally just a skeleton with skin hanging off of it. Oh my gosh! And uh, when the, when the esophagus finally started to heal, I started drinking eating oysters three times a day because that was the only thing that would go down. Oh, because they were so slimy and, and so smooth. slimy and right down. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, and I finally <laughs> healed from that, and um, they gave me whole brain radiation, which is. It's really strange. So that's uh, you've mentioned that's prophylactic. It's for prophylactic. So small cell lung cancer about ninety five percent of the time goes straight to the brain. That's interesting. And for some reason that that kind of cancer doesn't like to go where there's been radiation before. Interesting. And so they prophylactically give you whole brain radiation, and it drops the odds of it. You know, I, I have, into your I have brain a down theory, to five percent. I have a theory about that that I've, I've been working with. Um, you know, we've been working with the University of Oklahoma on cancer research. And I think that everybody's been focused on the cells, the, mm-hmm. you know, how, why did, what's changing in the cancer cells that cause them to metastasize. I actually think that it's changes in the, what's called the extracellular matrix. It's the matrix in, within which the cells live. It's the collagen. Yeah. And so, um, and, and what, we've, what we've learned is that the cancer cells remodel the extracellular matrix, and in fact, the extracellular matrix has information in it as to which cells are supposed to live there. Yeah. So if you dis- if if pieces of that extracellular matrix go in uh, go into the brain, guess where the cells will start to grow yeah. in the brain. Right. So it has nothing to do with the cells and everything to do with then that scaffold yeah. within which the cells live. And you know the the lung is directly connected to the brain, yeah. so that's that makes sense that it's right. that uh, interesting. Uh, sorry, yeah, there, I, there is a side effect of whole brain radiation. You lose you know oh you a large portion of your short term memory. So, if I don't remember this podcast, you know, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to excuse me. Um, anyway, it, it all went well, except in December of 2016, um, my oncologist at the time, which became the commissioner of the FDA later, which is oh my crazy, gosh. That's crazy. Um, he said, I, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is the monster in your lower left lobe is completely gone. But the bad news is you have wide metastasis oh my head gosh. to toe. So my, my PET scan lit up like a Christmas tree. I can't imagine. And, um, and he didn't have to tell me because I'd already done my own research that once you have wide, wide metastasis, small cell lung cancer, you're literally a goner. The zero percent chance of survival and three to six month uh, life expectancy, and I was basically told to go home, get my affairs in order, and think about hospice. Wow! And the next day, I got a call from a large animal veterinarian in Western Oklahoma, who is a college friend and family friend, and 
uh, he told me this crazy story about a, a scientist at Merck on the veterinary side who has been doing cancer research on mice, and she had hundreds of mice that she had implanted cancers in all their body parts, brain, stomach, liver, pancreas, etc. And her mouse population came down with intestinal parasites. And so she had, had no choice but to save her research. She gave uh, her all of her mice finbendazole. If you went out to the any zoo in the world, they bring in finbendazole by the truckload, front-end loader, head-high piles in bays because they give that drug to every single animal in the animal kingdom. And one of the oldest and safest yes. drugs around, yeah, right? Yes, been around for 40 years. And um, so she did, and unfortunately or fortunately for all of us, she also learned that she accidentally killed all the cancer. Well, that, and, was, a, that was a surprise, right? Yeah, it's a serendipitous <laughs> surprise, right? So uh, later, she herself came down with four-stage glioblastoma wrapped around her brain stem. They were told, she was told she, nothing they can do. She said, what the heck, started taking it and saved herself. So her cancer disappeared. Yeah, her yeah. cancer oh disappeared. Oh, my gosh. So I uh, didn't hesitate. Uh, I was like, what the heck, I got nothing to lose. I started uh, taking it. I was taking other things along the way that I had researched, some, some CBDs and uh, uh, some curcumin, at, right? What at that time was the most bioavailable curcumin, which raised it from maybe 2% up to 15% absorption before I ever met you guys. Right. And uh, did that for all of January, February, and March, and April, not knowing what was actually going on inside my body. I felt fine. I never... The only time I didn't feel fine was because of radiation on my esophagus. Right. right. Um, and uh, in May, first week of May of 2017, I turned up NED. And the... NED means no evidence of disease. Right. And oh. all of the doctors at, uh, well, my... And, and what my, is this period of time, show that you're talking January about? From January to... To April, through April of 2017. Okay, so March, close April. to four months. Well, yeah. three, three and a half months. Three and a yeah. half months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're all shocked. And what's going on here? Um, <laughs> are, are and I, didn't, I did not fess up to them and tell them what I was <laughs> taking. Um, and the reason I didn't was selfish. Uh, uh, I do believe that I'm in control of my body and I can do what I want with my body. Well, and I uh, that's a controversial topic these days yeah. we won't go down that yeah, road well I don't care it's my body I'll yep. do what I want yep. um, and so the reason I didn't tell them is because I was on an immunotherapy clinical trial specifically for wide metastasis small cell lung cancer and I didn't want to get kicked off the trial <laughs> right <laughs> so I was on a three month rotation on PET scans and so I had PET scans in August and September uh, back to back in uh, 2017. The first one was my regular three month one, and the last one in September was the end of the trial. And I was NED, no evidence of disease in both of those uh, in in August and September. Wow. And I decided then to let them know what I was doing, which uh, caused a whole uh, domino effect of, of, of issues because, as it turns out, uh, I was the really the, the sole data outlier in the trial. So you were the only person that survived. Yeah. This trial, this drug uh, is very successful for other subtypes of cancer, but it's not successful for small cell. 
And because I was the uh, sole data outlier on the trial and uh, and I was the only survivor in the trial, they had to throw the whole trial out. You're kidding. Yeah, no, that, well, really? And that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Or did they so, just take you out of the data? Well, the, when they take me out of the data, they, they don't have any successes. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, so, so we're going to go. This is yeah. a great time for us to take wow. a break. You're listening to Ultra Life Today. I am Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. We've got Joe Tippins here in studio with us. I really want to tell you, we're moving into the second segment of this now. I absolutely want you to copy and paste this, send this to friends. It's so unusual to hear a story like this where a repurposed drug was used, as you just heard in this first portion of the story, and we're going to go further into it. A repurposed drug was used that seemed to indicate this gentleman uh, sitting right here with us today, Joe Tippins, becoming into a state of no evidence of disease after suffering a devastating diagnosis many months before with cancer. So this is Ultra Life Today. We'll be right back. Our mission is to take nature's most beloved botanicals and enhance them with our liquid protein scaffold technology. This helps it reach your cells faster and better. With exponentially enhanced bioavailability, you'll feel better every day. Ultra Botanica, the feel-good curcumin. Get yours today at ultratoday.com. Welcome back to Ultra Life Today. I'm Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne, and we've been interviewing Joe Tippins here. He's uh, been a guest and a friend of the of the program and Ultra Botanica now for a couple of years, November Joe. 21, but he I think that's we, when we pulled the trigger on it, 14 months prior I to. I think we actually yeah. met you about two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when we started talking to you. We didn't even, I, we knew that you were, had the protocol, but you, we, we reached out to you because you were an investor and we were looking for advice about, you know, growing our business at the time. And it was just serendipitous that we found out that you were recommending uh, curcumin and other products, um, and so on and so forth. Now, let's let's go back to um, Josh. Where do you where do you want to go from here? Because we've you 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 had this amazing result, Joe, yeah. and you felt a moral obligation to share this experience with other people at the time. How did that all come about? Well, yeah, what was the organic form I, of I, that? And then what did you ultimately I'd, decide to do? I'd like to, to be altruistic and say I had a, a I had a moral obligation and belief that I should do this. What the truth is, what, what is my I do business in Asia and Europe and North America, and just by telling my story to family, friends, and business association associates, it went viral all over the world in in a non-digital sense. So this is without your blog? This is not my blog. It's just literally I started fielding 100 phone calls a week. And, wow. Really? And I have a real job. <laughs> and it, and I, so I am I'm, even, – even though I've invested in – in digital marketing, I really am not a deep dive understanding of it, and I'm quite frankly, I was naive. And I made the naive assumption that if I wrote a blog, that people would leave me alone. <laughs> and well, especially so, because your story is so boring. So, yeah. so right. So hold on. So the blog was so that you so people would stop harassing you for information. Yes, they read the blog and leave me alone. Uh, and that, that makes just, sense. just the opposite happened. Oh, the, my gosh. The, it literally, instantly, you know, I, I learned that the most powerful marketing tool in the world is hope, right? Yeah. And uh, my blog went viral immediately, and within 
three months, I was in 96 countries. Wow. And I often joke, and you can tell exactly where these people are, are coming from. I, I right. like to tell the joke that I had, in, by the third month, I had 150 visitors from Vatican City. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. And, oh, and I, jo- I joked about, you know, St. Joe's already taken. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that before. Uh, I'm so glad you said so, that. That's great. So um, it, it went crazy all over the world. And, and then um, new success stories other than me started coming in over the transom. So who was the first success story that kind of you, that, that you heard back from? Do you oh, remember? There were several like there in the very first, uh, probably by the second month. Uh, and only, I only learned about them because there was some kind of a fam- familiar or relationship connection. And they said, you're not going to believe this, but you just saved this guy's life. So there was life. like a, quite a few of these one degree of separation things where yes. you had friends and yeah, family that right. shared your story. And, and so it, got, it went from just me to, oh, probably 25 other success stories within six months. Wow. Um, and then those started increasing, coming in over the transom weekly. and But they were all anecdotal. You know, you, it's just you have to believe somebody, hey, it, it worked for me. And, and you go, well, that's cool. I need to know that that really is the case. Because, you know, there were naysayers about me, and there were two things that people would point out early on. They'd say, well, you went eight weeks without any nutrients, and we know right. fasting helps cancer. Sure. So what, how do you yeah. know that the fasting wasn't what did it for you? And I, well, because, I, yeah, because it would spread everywhere after you fasted. It, yeah, the, 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 the wide metastasis happened after, after the fasting, so it couldn't be the fasting. And the second one was this uh, immunotherapy drug. Uh, how, how do you know it wasn't that? Um, and I, I think the real answer to that is is that there, there would be other survivors on that trial Right. If it was that and the severity it. of illness of those that got into this trial they was were all, every bit as bad as yours. They right? were all or, wide mets. Okay. Wide yeah. mets, yep. small cell lung cancer. So I, I'm relatively certain uh, th- there may have been some uh, symbiotic benefit of the two together, but uh, that there would have been other survivors on the on the trial other than me. Right. So I then decided that I needed to turn these anecdotal stories into. Uh, audited real stories. Oh, interesting. And so uh, a local billionaire, who's the same man I'm getting ready to offer, so okay. uh, um, he funded a, a, a program at the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation to start auditing the successes. So he funded that? Yeah, he funded that. Wow. Um, he and I go way back. Um, and along the way, a uh, MD, PhD um, at Stanford uh, she specializes in ovarian and um, uh, cervical cancer. Um, she had some miraculous uh, recoveries that were unexplainable. This isn't Doris Benbrook, is it? No, it's somebody else. No, this is his friend at Stanford. At Stanford. Stanford. Okay, Stanford. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Stanford. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And, well, she not, wasn't a friend. She uh, brought these people in and interviewed them, and they said, well, I'm on the Joe Tippins Protocol. Like, I didn't even know it was right. called the Joe Tippins <laughs> there Protocol, you go. right? And so she called OMRF and joined the effort, and then something very similar happened at the University of Washington in Seattle, and they joined the effort. And then uh, now, in March of 22, they've actually, for the first time ever, published 
the results of these audits. Uh, really? So it's no longer anecdotal now. We know. Um, and in my research, I found the three scientists in India who, believe it or not, have spent their whole life's work on fenbendazole on cancer. <sighs> and, uh, and in fact, after I met them and talked to them in India, I found out that they had been working at MD Anderson 10 years earlier on fenbendazole on cancer at MD Anderson. So, Hold on. So, so MD Anderson knew about this effect 10 years before you even got on it. Well, why did it, why did the research stop there? I don't know, but I can also tell you that, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I know for a fact I've actually been in touch with them, uh, doctors that were uh, army doctors in Vietnam, who were uh, giving fenbendazole to cancer patients in Vietnam in the '60s. So what? It, and and there's other uh, uh, anthelmintic drugs uh, that have been. Approved, you know, mebendazole is already approved, but not for cancer. Right. Um, and there was a levamisole, uh, which was used on ovarian cancer in the 80s, and it's an anthelmintic sister to fenbendazole. So the, the, the short answer is this. It's a 30-year off-patent drug mm. that it would take at least $300 million to do a clinical trial. And the next day, after spending $300 million, you would have a generic competition, right? Because it's not patentable. Yeah. And um, you get three years once you get approval, but that three years is not enough money to make yeah. back your investment. No, no, no. So um, I, I believe there is one party that it should be motivated, and that's the United States government, because what we spend in plus 65 year olds in Medicare for cancer is billions. Right. And they would have an immediate cash-on-cash cash payback. So I'm trying to get that audience, but I'm not hopeful. Anyway, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, the, the journey continued. Uh, now I have real success cases being audited, uh, and the, the story still goes viral. Along the way, I decided to start a Facebook group, hopefully that – because people were still calling me, even after reading the <laughs> blog. You're still calling me, calling me, calling me. Of course. And I decided to do a Facebook group and uh, solicit volunteers to moderate. Because anytime you do something in the Facebook world, there's thousands of charlatans, multi-level marketers, BSers, crazy people that try to take over the conversation. And it has to be moderated. That makes and sense. so I got fortunately, and it's not a controversial subject either. Oh, come you're on, dealing yeah. With. Yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah. that in itself could invite some interesting people to your uh, Facebook right. page, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's worked really well. I think there's like thirty eight thousand, maybe forty thousand, in the Facebook group. How many moderators do you have in there? Four? About six. Six. Okay. Uh, wow, that's a lot of people. And uh, and along the way, I had to. Uh, some a couple got burned out, and I had to replace them. Um, but thank God for those people because uh, it's it's really helpful to be be moderated because we want the conversation not about alternatives to cancer broadly. We want it about my story and my protocol, not 
all the different possible things that could be brought up and talked about. Huh. And they take the, keep the conversation narrowly focused there. So that's, that's been very helpful. So, Joe, our, our Washington University, you said, is the one that has been... University of Washington, University Seattle. Washington, yeah. Seattle. Okay, for our listeners, University of Washington, Seattle, has basically been chronicling case studies of individuals, mm -hmm. right? That have been, and then they're auditing those by reaching out to those individuals mm -hmm. to determine what their story was it and their journey. It, it it's almost like an affidavit in some sense. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. It was only like a handful of people. Okay, um, okay. But they were... They picked those handful of people because they knew that uh, this was the only thing they were trying. It, what they weren't doing this in conjunction with chemo and radiation and immunotherapy. Oh, really? So they were they were doing nothing except the finbendazole right. and the other. Right. Oh, interesting. Now, will so, they continue to do more of those and try I, to build I, a larger library? It I, would certainly I, be nice. I don't know. Okay. Um, I got another idea on that, Bo. Okay. I'll, now I'll they can people it. can find. Some of these case studies on your blog, right? Yeah, I published them. Okay, uh, yeah. so that's my cancer story. M Y C A N C E R S T O R Y, and then dot the period rocks. dot rocks. Yeah, yeah. my cancer story dot R O C K S. Right. Okay. So, um, so along the way, some really interesting stories. Um, I could tell a hundred, but I'll, I'll try a couple. One of the men in that research paper that was published in March of 2022 called me out of the clear blue about four months ago, and he's retired, very wealthy dot-com or uh, internet guy, Yeah, uh, very successful. And he asked me if I, if Marla and I were available for dinner next, the following week. And I was, well, sure. Are you going to be in the area? He goes, well, I'm going to drive from Seattle to Oklahoma City to take you to dinner. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he showed up in a beautiful uh, converted um, mobile Mer estate, Mer Mer Mercedes <laughs> minivan, I mean, Mercedes uh, Sprinter van converted by uh, amazing vehicle and spent three days in Oklahoma City. And we took us to dinner and we took him to dinner at our house. And he just did that to thank me for saving his life. Wow. Um, but probably one of the – and this gets back to the clinical trial story. I got a call not too long ago, only like four months ago. And because I get so many calls, I don't answer unknown numbers, right? But the country code was China, and I'm a curious person. And because of a China country code, I answered it. Interesting. And this guy – in perfect Queen's British accent, evidently educated in Hong Kong, uh, said, my bosses wanted me to call you. And I said, well, who are you and who are your bosses? Interesting. He said, well, I am the editor-in-chief of the Beijing News. Wow. And I said, whoa. I, said, I assume your bosses are the high-level Chinese uh, government officials, he said. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. and, and, and this call is being taped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, he said, do you realize that you're a rock star in China? Well, interesting. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, um, a Ph.D. student, an M.D. Uh, student at Arizona State University took it upon himself to translate my blog into two different dialects and stood up two separate websites in China. And he said, we think over, there's over 10 million hits in those two, two websites just in China wow. alone. Wow. And, um, and how would that be for a clinical trial population? Well, so here's where it went. Uh, he said, uh, 
There's over 50,000 people in China taking, and get this, this is hilarious, taking the Uncle Joey protocol. Uncle, Uncle Joey protocol. Right. I said, Uncle so Joey, good. what in the heck is going on here? He said, well, we figured out where that came from. Your niece uh, referred to you on a Facebook post as Uncle Joey. And the people in China seem to think that the uncle is a term of endearment. Yeah, I was going to say. And, oh, honor and, honor and, and endearment. That's and exactly so right. the protocol in China is called the Uncle Joey Protocol. That's okay. amazing. Well, we'll, we'll move into some other questions in this next segment. You are Well, let's get to in. the clinical trial piece. This is important. Okay, okay. Uh, he, we, can, we can extend it. Go he ahead. He said uh, there's over 50,000 people uh, on the protocol in China. And I said, well... I know the Chinese government probably doesn't have the same feeling about private health care privacy that we have under our HIPAA laws here. Would the Chinese government be interested in auditing those 50,000 cases? Um, could be the largest clinical trial in the history of the world. And he said that's actually a really good idea, and he's working on that. And really? It, and, it, and it wouldn't surprise still, me they would do that anyway. Yeah. Do you have his they're, contact they're information? Have information. you maintained any contact? I, I talked to him about uh, two weeks ago, and he said he's still working on it, but he doesn't know where it's going. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, this is Ultra Life Today. Fascinating interview with Joe Tippin's incredible um, journey from being at the sickest a person can be to being well, no evidence of disease with cancer. And we've been talking about a repurposed drug called fenbendazole made by Merck Laboratories. I'm Josh Bellew. I'm Adam Payne. We will be right back after this break. Mm-hmm. 